0: Confrontation. I hate it. I hate it with a white-hot hate of a billion suns. Of course, I'm a natural empath, so when others experience strong emotions or feelings, I experience them too. But the main reason is this. Humans hate it when I'm right. Right. Humans will not admit when I'm right. Oh, they might on little things or things that don't don't bother them to admit that I'm right. But when it comes to something that they know I'm right and they don't want me to be right, they will actively, actively avoid admitting I'm right hence the confrontation, and hence my irritation. I don't like having to pound the facts and be correct and have the other person just simply not admit it. It's how I've been bullied. It's how I've had friends turn their backs on me. I've had family distance themselves over confrontation. So I avoid it. I don't like dealing with companies anymore for that exact reason. They will never, ever admit they're in the wrong. Never. But it is a main reason that for the last seven years, I haven't talked politics very openly. And that's leading to today's announcement. But before I get there, please allow me to give you some backstory that I hope you'll find interesting. When I was just a little tot, my mom and I we lived with my grandparents. And one morning I woke up and the only person awake was my grandmother. And she was in the kitchen, but she was not doing any breakfast cooking just yet. She was doing what she called her devotions. She would pull out this gigantic family King James Bible, and she would sit at the breakfast nook, and she would read, and she would pray, and she would inevitably bawl her eyes out. And you didn't disturb that. But I, I of course... Tiny little me, I did. I asked her what was for breakfast, and she said, I'm not cooking that yet. You're going to need to go sit down in the living room, and everybody else will be awake, and then I will. She says, I'm doing my devotions now, so please just leave me alone. And I said, Okay. And I went and I sat down in the living room, but I didn't just sit anywhere, (laughs) I sat right in my grandfather's chair. Now, that's just something you didn't do. It's kind of like Sheldon Cooper's spot. No one sat in my grandfather's chair. It just simply wasn't done. If my grandfather was awake, he wanted his chair. He wanted to be in his chair. He'd worked uh, his fingers to the bone over the years to have that fancy chair, and that's where he would want to sit and smoke his pipe and read his paper and watch the TV. But tiny little Skippy didn't really worry about that. I just plopped down in his chair because I wanted to feel like Grandpa for a minute. And I saw that my grandmother had picked up the morning paper. And my grandfather wasn't awake to read it. So I started reading it. That's right. I'm in my grandfather's chair where you dare not sit and now I'm reading his paper before he had the chance to do so and I was just learning to read. It was my grandfather who was helping me learn to read. So there I was reading the paper. Now, albeit I only skimmed the world national local news. I skimmed the sports page and uh, was reading the comics. And my grandfather woke up, and he came into the room, and he saw me not only in his chair, but reading his paper. And uh, rather than confronting me and being angry about it, he simply said, Would you like to smoke my pipe, too? Now, of course, I was (laughs) a little boy. I was just a little boy, so... It's not like he was being serious. He just, he was taken aback that someone was willing to do both of these things that you dare not do. But then I would hop over into my grandmother's chair. She didn't mind. She was in the kitchen. And he said, well, what did you learn? Anything? And I rattled off little tidbits that I'd read in stories. I didn't always understand, at that point, every word, but I understood enough that I was able to give him a synopsis of of certain stories. And he said, well, what are you reading there? And I said, the comics. And he says, well, I'm not worried about those. You go ahead and read those. So I sat in my grandmother's chair, now reading the comics. And he said, you're v- getting very good at reading. I'm impressed. And uh, we would sit around reading the paper together and watching Firing Line. We would talk back to Ronald Reagan and Tip O'Neill, and it was the height of the Cold War. So we would listen to stories about how the Americans were facing off against the Russians and My grandfather, while he didn't tell me what to think, he taught me how to think independently about the political scene. Now let me fast forward a few years. This is the fourth grade. The fourth grade, I was in a class with with a lovely teacher, she was a Greek. And uh, very sweet, very kind lady. And I won't say her name here, but we'll call her Mrs. E. And Mrs. E was very much a Democrat. She had a huge, huge crush on Michael Dukakis, because he too was Greek. And he rode around in a tank once. Ooh. Well, the Scholastic Book Company... Had come out with these newspapers, as they called them. They were two pages, front and back, and sometimes they would be uh, they they would have an insert of of a third page, or maybe even a fourth if they really felt frisky. But it was ultimately uh, the stories of the world, kind of delivered to fourth grade students and then there might be some puzzles or something to draw or something silly like that just to kind of mix it up as though it were the cartoon comic page well mrs e would pull out these papers give give every student one and then we would read them together and she would discuss them and explain them a little further and we were able to ask questions now of course her answers were coming from someone who was a huge fan of Michael Dukakis. So you can kind of imagine what sort of answers we got. Oh, yes. Hello, airplane. But um, I I, I cannot forget the face she made the day I approached her after class one day and said, Bush is going to beat Dukakis. He's going to absolutely cream him. This was coming from a fourth grader. I said, Bush is going to win in a landslide. Boy, the face she made. But we were reading those papers, and as I say, it was the height of the Cold War. And I had been raised to understand these names. Alexander Solzhenitsyn, Nikita Khrushchev, Mikhail Gorbachev. I wasn't Russian. I'm not Russian. I was just simply educated enough to know how to say their names. So we would be reading these newspapers and we would get to a Russian name and she would look to me and I would pronounce it and she would say, thank you. And she would keep right on reading. And she was always astounded that I knew how to say them. And I told her it's because for as long as I could read, I've read the paper. For as long as I could read, I'd watched the news and learned about these things for myself. And While I did so on my grandfather's lap at times, he didn't tell me what to think. He didn't tell me how to think. He told me simply to think. Over time, I wouldn't just read the paper and watch the news. I was, of course, a huge, huge radio fan. So I listened to a lot of music radio, mostly my mother's music, uh, the things that she grew up on, the Beatles and Led Zeppelin and Jimi Hendrix and, and the Monkees and so on. But I also came to love talk radio. Now, this isn't just in, say, 1988, but this was this was kind of a, a, a mild list that I have going through my head when I say talk radio of shows that I listen to. There was Howie Chiswick, there was Joe Finan, there was Jeff Sindelar and Les Levine, there was... Jim Rome, there was Howard Stern, Don Imus, um, Sean Hannity, Michael Savage, Glenn Beck, uh, and then of course, Uncle Rush. Now, of course, I make I I list those names, and if you recognize them, you think, aha, that's how he thinks, because you think that what I'm going to do is I'm going to parrot what they said, and the answer is no. Just like my grandfather, I do not parrot what I listen to. And you say, aha, you've watched the news, so you're going to parrot what you watch on some cable news network. I don't have cable. And I really don't care for the cable news networks anyway. But I'm getting ahead of myself. I would listen to Uncle Rush and these others, and I would think for myself. Now, I, I, I didn't want to support Bush... Uh, against Dukakis, but I knew that Bush was going to win. And when it came time for re-election, I knew that Bill Clinton was nothing but trouble. Again, I don't need someone to tell me how to think. I think for myself. And I saw that Bill Clinton was going to be trouble. Well, needless to say, this was a much to the chagrin of my classmates and teachers. Well, we watched, instead of the Scholastic newspaper, we watched, during Homeroom, a show called Channel One. Now, Channel One was hosted by Kathy Cronenberger, who would ultimately be on Fox 8 in Cleveland for quite some time. And then there was Lisa Ling, who I believe she was on The View for a while. Uh, Of course, I never saw her on The View, but uh, simply saying that she's on The View, you kind of get a picture of what she is like, even though she was a pretty girl. And then there was Raleigh Valverde, and I don't know where he disappeared to. He just kind of vanished like a fart in a wind. And they would go over the stories, and now they were trying, trying to direct them at 8th graders, ninth graders, 10th graders, whoever might be paying attention to Channel 1 during a homeroom. And shortly after Channel 1 one day, the principal cracked the microphone of the PA system and said, Children! You're not old enough to vote, but we're going to have a presidential vote of our own here in school. And he said, to sweeten the pot, whoever wins our presidential election, I'm going to vote for on election day. And it was really, it was, credit to him, it was really a smart educator kind of move, because now he was getting the entire school to think politically. But in hindsight, it was really a win-win for him because, because it didn't really matter uh, who we selected. When he went into that ballot box uh, to pull his own lever, when he, when he went behind the curtain... It didn't matter who we'd selected, he was going to vote for whomever he wanted to vote for. He wanted to see how we as a school felt politically. I was the only one in the entire grade I was in at the time to vote for Bush. Everyone else voted for Clinton. And alas, that's the way that the election went. And I blame him saying, read my lips, no new taxes. I really do. So I really and truly do blame George H.W. Bush for saying, read my lips, no new taxes, when he didn't mean it. But he got creamed. And I hated it. And so... I would listen to all of my different talk show hosts, and I would continue to read the uh, Uncle Rush's Limbaugh letter, and I was the only person in the school. Uh, <laughs> Much to the chagrin of uh, our librarian, whom I will call Mrs. K, Uh, much to her chagrin, I was the only person in the school who regularly read the National Review. Uh, Unless someone was actively looking for it, I was the only one who was ever requesting the new issue as soon as it came out. But I kept my eye on things, and along came the 96 election, and I was finally able to vote for myself. Now, I wasn't able to vote for the primary. I was lied to, uh, in hindsight. But they said, oh, you're technically not 18 just yet, so you can't vote in the primary, which is not correct. I could have. But I wasn't allowed to vote in the primary, so I had to wait until the general election. And I wasn't fond of Bob Dole. I mean, sure, he had my respect, you know, because he had uh, a storied past and career. But I found him doddering and old. and yeah ultimately not a very good candidate at all and once again the principal cracked the microphone and said we're going to have an election here and what do you know Bill Clinton won in a landslide but now I was a grown adult so to speak, and I was able to choose who I wanted to vote for, and I could vote for them myself. Along came 2000. My candidate got primaried, and we ended up with George W. Bush versus Al Gore. Well, I knew That I did not want to vote for Al Gore. But I really, really just was not fond of George W. Bush. I thought he was a drunkard and a fool and lacking in brain pan. But nevertheless, as you say, I held my nose. And then 9 11 happened. And I was grateful that George W. Bush was in office and not Al Gore because I think things would have gone a completely different direction if that had been the case. Well, along came 2004. I voted for George W. Bush. I wasn't even going to um, bat an eye. I knew he was going to be the nominee for the Republicans, and I there was no way I was voting for His opponent and uh, it was after 9 11 and and I said well let's give him a chance you know he's he's not the greatest thing ever but he'll do 2008 once again my candidate got primaried and we ended up with John McCain for a while I was a big fan of John McCain. I had a lot of respect for him, and then he backed out, and then he came back in, and that kind of irritated me. Because after he came back in, he suddenly started going further and further to the left, and he became more and more of of a talking head for the left. And he ran against Barack Obama. I read his book. I tried to like him. I couldn't bring myself to like him because I felt he was nothing but trouble. And he had Joe Biden as a running mate. And I knew how Joe Biden had spoken in the past and I knew how Joe Biden had behaved in the past and I wanted nothing to do with him. So I said, okay, John McCain it is. And I remember being angry at McCain. Much like my grandfather would have been When John McCain dipped on David Letterman David Letterman had asked him on and he said yes, I'll be happy to do David Letterman's show and then he canceled and Was down the street from the Ed Sullivan theater glad-handing people and he was dodging David Letterman, because he was avoiding him, didn't want to answer any of his questions. And I remember shouting at my TV, you're an idiot, McCain. And ultimately, though I voted for him mainly because of Sarah Palin, which, in hindsight, not the greatest excuse either, but I voted for them and they ended up sucking. 2012 I obviously didn't want Obama and Biden. This, this was when uh, this uh, administration would be when Joe Biden would accept bribes uh, in favor of uh, uh, in political favors, this would be when he would use his power to fight off uh, the Ukrainian prosecutor who was after Hunter. And uh, I was not going to be thrilled with with uh, Obama and Biden winning, but who did the Republicans put up? Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney I wasn't a fan of when he decided to run in the primaries, let alone did I want to back him. And yet, of course, I did. And I didn't want to call people out on their crap and say that they had a really stupid candidate, but they did. And Mitt Romney has since continued to move left, 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 left. left. And it's been irritating. And along comes 2016. Every election that I had been able to vote, my candidate had been primaried. And every single time that we put up a candidate as a uh, a Republican, Every last one, I held my nose and voted for them. Win or lose, because I didn't want the Democrat. And it has nothing to do with simply a D by their name. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Bear with me. This is all going to make sense soon. I supported Ted Cruz. In 2016, I was a campaign chairman for him. For years, I would get Christmas cards from he and Heidi and the children. I have an autographed football, an autographed copy of his autobiography. I have a Team Cruise football jersey. I supported him, and he lost to Donald Trump. He lost to Donald Trump because Donald Trump was considered an outsider. He was not considered status quo. He was not considered a part of Inside the Beltway. Despite me sharing photos with you in 2016 of him being buddy-buddy, with Bill Clinton, buddy-buddy with Hillary, putting Hillary in his book. I have a black and white photo to this day from his book, where he says that Hillary Clinton was a fine first lady, and it was of him and Hillary and his sons. But he was considered an outsider and he was going to lock up Hillary by God. He was going to lock her up for what she did, what she did with confidential information, allowing Huma Abedin and her maid, was it, go through confidential documents, top-secret documents, classified information, and then she destroyed evidence against her. And Trump ran on, whether you, some of you want to hear it or not, Trump ran on how he was going to lock up Hillary Clinton over what she did. And he pushed America first, and he said things that really wowed the crowds. And it really made him seem like he was an outsider, that he was going to, quote-unquote, drain the swamp. And he badmouthed Ted Cruz. Ted was the only one in those debates that wasn't actively going after Trump every time. And rather than saying, you know what, Ted, you're a stand-up fella, let's find some way to be on the same page, Trump started calling him a liar. Trump started calling him all sorts of names and started twisting the truth about Ted Cruz. And some of you continue to believe those lies. And some of you continue to parrot those things and call him those things, even though they're not factual. But naturally, just as before, when it came down to Trump versus Hillary, I voted for Trump. I wanted to believe that maybe, just maybe, his outside status would make him drain the swamp and he wouldn't be like the others. And in some ways he ultimately was better than the others. I had to give him his credit. But this is where the rubber met the road. I was upset with many of the people I grew up listening to, because they were all behind Donald Trump, no matter what he said, no matter what he did, no matter how incorrect or how much of a hyperbole it was. And so I called. Sean Hannity out on one that's very very famous and I'll have to tell that story here but I called out Sean Hannity I didn't listen to Uncle Rush for quite some time because of his active support of Donald Trump when he could have had Ted Cruz and I started avoiding confrontation because friends colleagues people that I'd I'd grown to know we're getting behind Trump no matter what. And I stopped talking about politics. Seven years I've passed on talking about politics. For seven years, I did my best to support Trump, even though he drove me crazy. But I wasn't going to actively talk about it. because I wasn't really all that big big of a supporter of his. Other than I wanted him to do well because he was the American president and occasionally we would agree on something. And along came the 2020 election. Now, I knew that Trump was going to be the nominee. That was a foregone conclusion. Not for certain idiots in the Republican Party, but it was pretty obvious to me. So I was going to cross over and I was going to vote for a Democrat. I wanted to choose his opponent. I'm not even going to mince words about it. I wanted to cross over and vote for a Democrat simply because I wanted to choose his opponent. And I didn't want to choose a soft opponent. I wanted to choose the very best the Democratic Party had to offer. I wanted to cross the aisle and vote for Tulsi Gabbard. See, I had become friends with her family. I'd come to admire Tulsi. She had the nerve to be a Democrat when she clearly was not a Democrat. Now, I know some of you, you'd like to say, oh, well, she supported Bernie Sanders against Hillary. That's right, she did. And and I need to ask you, if, if you had to trust one or the other with your life, who would you? Bernie or Hillary? Yeah, Bernie's a crazy old socialist, but, I mean, there's a there's a thing going round, and if you think about it, you'll understand what I mean. There's a thing going round about Hillary, and it seems pretty accurate to me. And I knew that Hillary and Debbie Wasserman Schultz and others had actively pushed Tulsi Gabbard out of the DNC, and now they were trying to actively push her out of the party entirely. And I back Tulsi Gabbard because I know she's a godly woman, she's honest, she's active duty military, she loves this country, she wants the best for everyone. We may not agree on how to get there. But we do agree that this is the greatest nation on the planet, and we want it to be the very best it can be for everyone. And what do you know? Just as they had for four years against Donald Trump, what did Hillary do? Claimed that she was a Russian. Claimed that she was a Russian sympathizer, she was a Russian plant. I knew it to not be fact. Although Donald Trump is many things, a Russian sympathizer he is not. There was no collusion with Russia. And those who perpetrated the hoax for the lion's share of Trump's administration never faced the music although they should. And now they were doing it to Tulsi. And I was planning for the first time ever to willingly vote for someone with a D by their name. And what do you know? The primary here was canceled under the guise of COVID. COVID. Now, you could have concerts for those candidates and have hundreds of people, shoulder to shoulder, shouting and carrying on and whooping. But for me to go behind a curtain and pull a lever, oh, that was going to kill everyone with COVID. Yes, it was. And so I was not allowed to do so. The primary was canceled. Now, I know some of you say, you could have gone to the Board of Elections. No, I couldn't have. It's across town. And I, I was actually one of the few Americans who was still working. And then there was, well, why didn't you mail in your ballot? <laughs> Folks, you're going to learn very, very quickly I have never, nor will I ever, trust mail-in balloting. Ever. I don't care who the candidate is. I don't care what ballot it is. I don't care what mailman it is. I will not trust them. Ever. So no, I wanted to vote in person. I wanted to make sure that my vote was counted. And so when it was canceled at the last moment, I wasn't going to go down to the Board of Elections, take a day off to go, to go vote, which I guess is my fault, but I knew that I wasn't the only one who felt that way. And so the cancellation of the Ohio primary helped Joe Biden win the state of Ohio when I can't shake a stick I can't spin in a circle with a golf club and knock one single person who voted for Joe Biden in this state. Not one in the primary or the general. Not one. And yet he won. And Tulsi was pushed out. And what do you know? She left the Democratic Party. And what do you know? She is being open and honest about how she feels. And some say that she's phony and call her a Russian sympathizer. I know that family. They're genuine people. I might not always agree with them, but I know they're legitimate people. They're good people. But I remained silent, other than behind closed doors with a handful of friends, I remained silent about the 2020 election. And I was willing to remain fairly silent about the 2024 election. But this is where the rubber meets the road. I haven't been able to sleep. I've lost a whole lot of sleep. I toss and turn at night. Sometimes I end up crying myself to sleep because I am facing a third layoff in the Joe Biden administration. Despite working and, ne- and, and making more than I've ever made ever before, I can't make ends meet. I am facing eviction, I am facing bills being cut off, but yet I've never made more money. And it boils down to this, the actions of the Biden administration. So your poor choices as Americans in these elections has continued to snowball, and they've affected my life. And I see where my choices, unless something changes right now, are Trump— who was apparently just arrested for bullcrap charges that he should have brought Hillary up on years ago, but didn't. And Joe Biden, who is currently actively doing everything he can to ruin America and whose actions are leading to me possibly being laid off for a third time. And so I lose sleep at night. And folks, if physical me, if physical Skippy has to lose sleep, why should political Skippy get to to nap through the night? No, no, no. This is my announcement. This is the end of my monologue. Political Skippy is awake. Not woke, awake. And until we have a new president, this podcast is going to be political. Not a parrot of what you hear on your favorite cable news network because your favorite cable news network sucks Not a parrot of what your favorite radio show Says because chances are your favorite radio show sucks Not a parrot of what your favorite columnist or magazine or newspaper has to say because chances are they suck too certainly not an apologetic thing like Sean Hannity was for Donald Trump back in the day. It's not going to be an apologetic thing for some candidate because well, America, your candidates suck. And it's certainly not going to be on behalf of any political party, political action committee, and certainly no government agency anywhere. Because governments, in general, suck. Political parties suck. And political action committees suck. I am not paid by George Soros or any other billionaire. I am not sent here by some other government to be a subversive. I'm not here to be an extremist. I'm not here to be somebody's somebody's call to arms I'm somebody with an American dream And I'm not allowed to live it Because I'm not allowed to sleep For years now my neighbors Have gone out of their way to wake me up day after day and make sure that I can't sleep Well, now is the time when I return the favor. Who is my neighbor, you might ask? Howdy, neighbor.